0: Okay, guys, so this is a critical Q&A for the week, so let's go ahead and get on with your questions. Um, we This is the, uh, first off, though, a couple things as usual in terms of announcements and stuff I usually do for the show every week. This is the studio space that I am setting up. You can see this, this is a little bit of a fisheye view, and I think it's backwards. Um, that's because of, I'm using my phone, and I don't know how to change the settings to make it mirror effect when I do... My when I use Zoom uh, off of my laptop, it's able to switch them and mirror effect it if it's if it's uh, if the camera's backwards like this. But uh, on my phone, I don't know how to how to switch it around. I haven't uh, I haven't looked into that enough yet. But anyway, that's why everything's kind of backwards. You can you you know you've seen everything in its right place, but mirror effect. So let's. Uh, Oh, you put it back in the thing there.
1: Yeah, it went away.
0: Okay, well, it's, uh, if you pop it out, ah. then it's a little easier to keep up with because we don't have to necessarily watch ourselves. Right. So I can reduce that, and then you got the two windows there. Oh, great. So, um, so as you can see, I'm still setting up the space, um, but this is, this is basically where I'm shooting all my video from now. And, um, and this is a thousand percent due to you know just having this space and and being able to do this is is uh, you know because you guys are helping support this channel and uh, and that means helping support you know what we're doing here so that we can uh, keep the content going so I'm hoping that setting up this little space will make it a little bit you know upgraded a little bit and you uh, and also make the sound quality and hopefully the video quality as I get everything all fully set up in here and well lit and all that. Um, so that, you know, as content continues rolling out on my channel, just be a higher quality content. All right. So uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, we got some nice comments coming in here. Um, always missing because I was in church. Home sick today. Okay, good. <laughs> all right. So, uh, let's see here. Now, some people have have, uh, um, uh, thrown out a couple questions already, so I've got those, so I'm about to get to those, but there was one other thing I wanted to do real fast. Um, Can you go grab one of the pins for me? I totally uh, (laughs) forgot to put those in here, but I um, have set up my my, uh, Patreon now, so it's got a couple different levels, or what are called tiers, of support, uh, and I thought, you know, you guys are so awesome. The ones who are, uh, you know, I have all of you guys are actually awesome because you're watching my, my stuff at all, care care at anything about what I have to say. But um, I, for my Patreon supporters, uh, especially, you know, some of them are, are really awesome. I mean, they do, you know, twenty dollars a month, and even a couple are doing like fifty, and it's amazing, amazing. So I got um, these little pins made up. If you can see that, it says "think it's not illegal yet." This is a, this is just a little reward I got for my or I had custom made for my um, Patreon supporters who do twenty dollars a month or more. I'm sending those out this weekend to those folks, and um, if you do fifty dollars or more, then I've got a fax matter" hashtag "facts matter" T-shirt that I sent out to, that I send out to people. Uh, and they, you know, of course, when they sign up, they give me their address and, and, and shirt sizes. So anyway, um, so that's just a little something I've added to my Patreon support. So you can check out my Patreon page. The link will be in the description section below after this video posts. All right. So that I just wanted to kind of get those uh, things, those little announcements out of the way here. So, um, wow, Spain, New York City, Brighton, England. This is uh, I love the international audience that this channel has. I really do. So let's go ahead and get on with your questions now that I've done enough intro in here. Um, so I had a couple questions come in before the show even started. So I'm going to start answering those. And as we go along here, Melissa will be watching your comments. So if any other questions come in, she will um, put them aside for me so we can get on with this. All right. So here we go. Denmark, Sydney. Wow. Spain. I love it. Um, I wanted to ask you about this one, actually. Joshua Steele asked last night. Uh, do you know anything about the conspiracy at Denver International, uh, at the airport? Just curious, uh, watched a video about it, found it kind of funny. I have always thought that it, you know, that the conspiracy, I, what I've heard is that, um, Denver International Airport has an, un, has underground tunnels and pathways, um, because uh, there's a secret meeting places and halls and things. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it has a survivalist uh, sort of doomsday mm-hmm. flavor to it. Um, but I w- was kind of told that the Illuminati, that's like, that's like for the, the underneath the <laughs> DIA. And normally I would just call total bullshit on something like mm-hmm. that. I'd just be like, yeah, whatever. Except. There is this demon horse. Yeah. There is a statue. Oh
1: my god.
0: This it's a large, I mean it's it's what is about two stories tall. I mean, yeah, it's a big huge. statue. It's huge. <laughs> of a horse. It's a blue horse with red eyes. I mean, there is no way you yeah. can look at this statue of this horse and think anything but demon horse.
1: It's nicknamed Blucifer, so. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. And um so Blucifer is outside the airport greeting everybody who, who drives in to the or airport leaves, or yeah. leaves. And Blucifer killed the artist <laughs> yeah. who made
1: it. That's not a lie. That's not a conspiracy theory. That really it, happened. It fell on it him. It fell on him. And it
0: killed him. And it and just as, I guess, just as he was finishing it or mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. So he completed this demonic work of art, you know, blue and red artistry. And... And then it, and then they actually continue to use it mm-hmm. and put it up outside the airport. And this is the this is the thing that greets you. And I just find it, you know. I mean, obviously, I'm being facetious right now, but maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you? What have you grown up? Because you're the Denver native.
1: Yeah, I always just conspiracy? heard the the Illuminati stuff that there's, you know, stuff down there. There's tunnels and there's, you know. Um, bomb shelters and stuff for the rich, you know, that kind of thing. So that's the stories I've heard. It's kind of the same thing, you know. It's, there's something going on and they have secret meetings and rich people are there. And right. What,
0: um, what about the Masonic? connection is there a masonic connection somebody asks about that here
1: i'm not entirely sure about yeah about the Masonic mason stuff i don't know if there's a masonic connection or not i'm sure there's probably a conspiracy theory out there somewhere
0: yeah he's (laughs) saying that there's uh and its nickname is not lucifer it's blucifer with a b at the beginning to because it's a blue horse Uh, yeah, there are other paintings that are Masonic. Yeah,
1: yeah, the paintings. There's some crazy paintings there that people have all kinds of conspiracy theories about, too. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. They are pretty weird, abstract kind of paintings. (laughs) Well, there you go.
0: Okay, good. So that's the, uh, that's about as much as we can comment on, I think, about the Denver (laughs) International Airport, uh, thing there. Now, okay, so then T. Feeney asks... Scientology is known as a celebrity religion. How do they ignore the fact that no new famous people have joined in years? Instead, it's the same faces, Cruz, Alley, et cetera, paraded all the time. Well, um, within the world of... I'll, tell, I'll answer this question seriously as far as my, my viewpoint as a former Scientologist. Um, we appreciated having celebrity Scientologists. I always thought that they added... You know, something to our ability to communicate to non-Scientologists and, and appeal to non-Scientologists and get more people in. But I never thought of Scientology, when I was a Scientologist or a Sea Org member, I never ever thought of it as a celebrity religion. Uh, that I would have thought that would have been a denigrating or mocking comment. I would have thought that that would have been something, you know, like, oh, that's just somebody putting us down because Scientology is not about celebrity. Scientology is about, you know, getting, clearing the planet and making people better no matter what their social standing or or status or whatever is, although obviously we wanted people who had money. Um, but there's a lot more people out there who have money than just celebrities. So, uh, and also you have um, lots of other celebrities that I could point to in Scientology. You have Michael Pena, you have, um, what's the... Uh, Woman on Orange is New Black. Oh, uh,
1: Laura Prepon or Prepon? I don't
0: yes. know how to say her last name, but yeah, Laura Laura Prepon. Um, you have uh, oh, and of course the woman in the Handmaid's Tale.
1: Oh um, yeah. Um,
0: starts with an M. I can't remember her name right yeah. now.
1: Yeah.
0: She even won an Emmy. I mean, so uh, so you have these people representing Scientology is it in Elizabeth the industry. Moss? That's it, Elizabeth yeah. Moss. Yes. So, so those celebrities are not just the usual, tw- you know, people who've been around 20, 30 years. Um, and they are representing, man. I mean, she's out, you know, Elizabeth Moss, like I said, mm-hmm. is on a hit show right now. Uh, Tom Cruise is still, I mean, you know, yeah, sure, he's been a Scientologist for a long time. He's still banging out movies, and, and they're still making lots of money. So... Um, so that you know that celebrity influence or whatever is still there, and in the world of Scientology, not paying attention to all the negative things that are said about the celebrities, I still would have thought, as a Scientologist, now that we still were doing just fine. You know, two thumbs up. Our celebrities are out there representing, you know, and doing the job they're supposed to be doing. So I, you know, so in my sort of Scientology haze. I would have said, What's the problem? Scientologists are, you know, we're, we're doing just fine with celebrities. So that's what I would have replied to with that. Uh, Macedonia. Wow. Movie gal. Hi. Okay, uh, okay good. Wow. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Yeah, they're for the connections. I, I agree. All right. So the next question, and, and by the way, guys, any questions you have? Go ahead and throw them down, because Melissa's just going to copy-paste them into the the thing here. So the next question I had was from Roseanne Wendell, and this was an interesting one. She she said, here's a question, do you think your ability to analyze world events, current events, historical events, or whatever, is affected by your lack of formal and informal education and life experience while in the Church of Scientology? I assisted a woman who came out of the FLDS, and I've done some other reading on that cult. People who grow up in that cult never hear of George Washington and other historical figures while they are in. It just seems like there would be so much catching up to do and wondering whether slash how you consider that when analyzing subjects. Keep up the great work. Okay, so, Roseanne, good question. Um, I actually gave this a a, a bit of thought and um, I think it's a double-edged sword in a way. I think, because um, I thought about my views and worldviews views and, and lack of knowledge of, of current events and stuff or things that have happened over the last few decades because I was so heavily in the bubble world of Scientology, especially from 95 to 2012 when I was in the Sea Org. I wasn't paying a lot of attention to, uh, well, I wasn't watching any TV really, hardly at all, Um, until near the end, I started sneaking, you know, some TV shows in and stuff on my laptop through the internet, but otherwise I, you know, didn't really have exposure to a lot of modern popular cultural stuff, except stuff that sort of seeped in from new recruits coming into the sea or, or things you'd see on billboards or posters, or, you know, uh, uh, maybe we go and sell a movie every now and again, and you'd see trailers and stuff. You'd become aware of things. Uh, you see headline news on newspapers, but never really sit down and read the articles. And, um, and so I missed out on, on a lot of stuff. And I thought that it was a good and a bad thing. I thought in one way, coming into the big wide world and assimilating and finding out about things, I thought that um, I was bringing, I thought I had a fresh perspective on some things. That people who've been around and been paying attention and been involved in all this stuff for all these years might be missing or might have gotten jaded or might have uh, missed some points or something that um, a fresh new look at some of these things might uh, be able to, um, you know, provide. On the other hand, um, I thought... um, that I missed out on a lot of stuff. <laughs> and so, like, I didn't see things like, like South Park or or a lot of things about Scientology, of course, but also, again, the popular things or the things that that, that mattered. I didn't know a ton of stuff about Obama's presidency. I didn't know a ton of stuff about Bush's presidency uh, or what occurred during those years, or even, even Clinton to some degree when I was a staff member in Santa Barbara because I just wasn't paying attention to that stuff. So... Um, so I, you know, so I, I think that I have been able to, in, 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 yes, there's a lot I've had to do to come up to speed to learn about things. And I think that a lot of my channel reflects my changing point of view over the years as I've been assimilating and learning things. And you see my views have changed on some things. Um, as, I've, as I first came out of Scientology, for example, I went pretty far to the left. Uh, politically and um, on terms of social issues, Um, and then as I've learned more over the last couple of years, it's kind of, you know, my views have sort of more moved toward the center in a lot of ways, Um, as I've learned more and more about, you know, the positions and views and ideas on both ends of of, of the political spectrums here in the United States, And, um, but I, so, so like I said, I I guess the bottom line is that I feel like it's been good in some ways and able to provide views of things that were maybe some people thought were naive even. Um, but I stand by a lot of what I've said, whereas, um, other things I've, I've changed as I've, as I've grown. So I think that's kind of pretty much what I can say about that. Um, okay. Let's see what else we've got coming out here. Um, Dwayne Dibley. Okay. First, dude. Uh, what would you do if it turned out that Scientology was in fact right about everything and Xenu does exist? Would you make an official apology video? Um, okay. Yes, I would. Uh, if I found out that Thetans were, were actually, if I had concrete proof, not only that there was a spiritual existence and And that 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 existence was reflected accurately in L. Ron Hubbard's teachings about thetans and the mind and and life. Um, But also that all the historical information Hubbard put out was true. That there were invader forces, I think six or seven of them coming through the solar system over all the millennia. That Xenu and that whole narrative, it actually happened. And of course, this would mean that we... Uh, you know, modern geology and geography and uh, so many sciences would be completely devaluated if this were true. If Hubbard's writings were true, then so much of what we think we know about the modern world would be just wrong. Yeah. Um. And and so our whole world view would be quite radically different. So so validating Hubbard's works would be a would be a very big deal. It wouldn't just be a little tiny you know, thing happening here. Oh, Scientology was right. It would be like, oh my God, Scientology was right. What? You know, like so many things would be different. Um, I'd be happy to say, hey, I. you know what? I was wrong. Hubbard got it right about these things and let me reevaluate everything I've said. But in order for that to happen, <laughs> there would have to be major massive and mounds of evidence to back this stuff up I mean we'd have to like I said so many things would change because just in the Xenu narrative for example Hubbard points to the north star and says things about it and he calls it Polaris well you know 75 million years ago when the Xenu narrative occurred according to modern science Polaris was not the north star Hmm. a different star was occupying that position in space Um, and the volcanoes that everybody was, you know, that all these nuclear atomic weapons were exploded in, well, they didn't exist 75 million years ago. But now, if it was true, then they did exist. So all of geology would be a completely mm-hmm. different science, mm-hmm. you know. So there'd be a lot of major changes uh, in our world if these things turned out to be true. So, but, but you know bottom line is yes i would admit i was wrong i would not sit here and go well it's just not true because if it was shown to be true then i wouldn't have any choice but to acknowledge it uh how we doing here oh we're seeing um some, yeah, some german. german okay <laughs> cool uh let's see what else we got here okay good um ator asks have you guys heard of the inauguration of the tunnels in Switzerland?
1: I don't know.
0: <laughs> no okay. Uh, meaning the Robert Roberts question Amway big in, is Amway big in Scientology? According to figures the US government demands they publish 90 out of 100 Amway salesmen make20 dollars a week but they pretend to create millionaires. Um, Okay, Amway's kind of a big subject. It's a multi-level marketing program that people get involved in where they sell products in order to make commissions on those products. And the major product of Amway is getting other people to sell Amway. It's not selling their products. You could open up an Amway store in a mall and sell their products and, you know, make whatever you'd make with it. And the products are are fairly standard, you know, regular cleaning products and and things like that. but the but the major deal with being part of Amway is, you, and the way you make money is you sell Amway's system to other people, who then get on board, and start selling the products. And their job is to get more people on board, and it's sort of this pyramid sort of deal. And I've talked to people who got very very heavily involved in Amway, and there are cult characteristics to it, but it's mostly just a a, a con job. It's just it's it's necessarily cultish in the same way Scientology is so much as it's just a get-rich-quick scheme that doesn't work, and it's kind of this pyramid scheme. Um, Scientologists do get involved in Amway uh, at at times. I think back in the day they got more involved with it than they do uh, now. I base that off the fact that my parents sold Amway for a while uh, in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, And then they got out of it because they saw that even as Scientologists, they were like, yeah, no, this isn't working out for us. And they stopped doing it. Um, And I never really heard too much about Amway in the years that I was involved in Scientology as far as other people Mm. doing it too much. It it sort of crept in for a while and then kind of crept back out again in the world of Scientology. And I think Scientology officially would discourage it probably because it's taking time and effort and money away from Scientology direct. Mm. So that's that's what I can say about that. Um, okay, let's see here. Douglas, excuse me, Uh, Douglas uh, Myrick asks, exteriorization, was Hubbard the first ever to promote popping out of one's body to run exercises? No, absolutely not. Uh, The concept of leaving your body as a spiritual entity has been around for millennia. I mean, Buddhists, I think, old-time Buddhists were involved in this in terms of spiritual existence. Uh, But if not Buddhists, certainly other religious groups have um, (laughs) been engaged in astral projection. um, uh, What's the word for um, clairvoyance uh, or clairaudience? These are two words to express being able to see or hear things that are happening far away from you. And one of the ways that this was explained is because you were separating from your body and you're going out to these other remote locations and hearing or seeing what's happening. Um, so these are, you know, this has been a long, been, this idea has been around for thousands of years. Hubbard was the first person I know of, <coughs> excuse me, who, um, could you just give me a glass of water? Sure. Thank you so much, babe. You're welcome. Should have thought of that before we go. Um, Hubbard was the first person I know of who... Put a very rigid methodology and system in place that's supposed to result in you going exterior or having an out of body experience. And you know, if you do this and you do this and you do this, then it should work. And he spent a lot of time in the early 1950s actually working out different commands or procedures or methods to exteriorize people. And then he said he stopped working on it after about 1955 because it wasn't really very rehabilitative. It wasn't helpful to people to pop them out of their head. It, they thought that it was going to be. Hubbard's, Hubbard was lecturing in 1952, 1953 about how the benefits of exteriorization and how it brought about um, the idea that the certainty in a person that they were a spiritual entity, not a body. And he said that this was, that this was a good thing, but it also would tend to sometimes introvert or, or key in, is the word he used, um, a person. Because it would make them, um, th- when, they, when they popped out of their body and they realized they were a spiritual entity and they had certainty of this, suddenly there were ideas of, um, of death. They rem- it, it keyed in or, or, or re-stimulated earlier times when they had died. And earlier times when they had been born, because, um, you know, if you think about it, if you uh, live a normal, regular life and you never have an out-of-body experience or exteriorize during the course of your life, there will still be two points in your life where you will be interiorizing or exteriorizing. At birth, you will be going into the body. At death, you will be leaving the body. And this happens every single lifetime that you have. So Hubbard said that when you exteriorize somebody, you can key in or re-stimulate these earlier times of exteriorization and interiorization, and this would be upsetting to people, and they could get headaches, and they could have all kinds of physical phenomena occur as a result of this. And he called it um, the term he used was out int, uh, or you know, this interiorization exteriorization thing being a problem. And so he developed an actual special series of, of, of auditing that you would do on somebody in order to deal with this. And so, so th- at that point, Scientology's emphasis on popping people out of their heads and exteriorizing them became much less. They, Hubbard said, let's not worry about that so much. Let's not put so much attention on that because it's not really that big of a deal. Anybody does it. They can do it thousands of times in their life. Um, they do it when they die. They do it when they when they're born. It's not that big of a deal. We've got you know. Let's just follow this bridge and do these methods. And he and he de-emphasized exteriorization. So, um, so that's what I can say about that. T. Feeney, thank you for the super chat contribution there. Thanks a lot. All right, five bucks, man. Cool. That's what that means. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that was five euros actually. Is what that is. Yeah. Um, okay. Movie gal. How could Scientology property be private if they are 501c3? Wouldn't it be public property like most churches? No, it doesn't work that way. Um, a nonprofit organization is not a publicly owned entity, it's a nonprofit organization. That means that they've applied for and received approval on tax exemption, tax exemption by the IRS. It doesn't even necessarily mean that they've been re- legally recognized as a religious entity. It just means that they've been, <clears throat> uh, yeah. No, I like the euros just fine. Thank you. <laughs> I just missed the uh, symbolization there. Somebody commented on uh, on something with that.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Don't like the euros. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no. I, I'm euros I'm down with the euros. The euros are all good. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, 501c3 is just a legal status granted by the IRS that exempts you from paying taxes. Provided you follow certain guidelines, like you don't promote political figures, you um, you know the money that comes in, you have to be able to show that that money is being used for the advancement of the organization, and it's not going to some personal individual, which is called a normant, which is bad. Um, this is why Scientology lost their tax exemption in the first place back in 67, is because the money was coming in, and Hubbard was profiting. He was spending it on himself and his family. So that are those are the requirements for 501c3. You can be a 501c3 and be on a private property, fenced in, no one can come in, armed guards, you know, blocks on the gates, and you can still be 501c3. All right. Let me get some of this water here. All right. Uh, and see here. Liam McDowell asks, is it true that Hubbard is the most published author? I'm not 100% on most published author, but he did win um, world records for being the most translated author. Huh. I, I'm sure of that. He might be the most published author. He definitely has a gigantic body of work. Uh, Hubbard's fiction and non-fiction works, when you put it all together, is a huge library of information. Um, but I, I, I will only commit to saying for sure that he won the Guinness uh, World Record for most translated author. I don't know if it was most published. Uh, okay, Morna McDonald, are you in touch with anyone who's an active Scientologist under the radar? If so, can you give us any information on their feelings about the Church of Scientology? Um, well, I, can, I, I tend to hold these kinds of things fairly close to the chest mm-hmm. because for obvious reasons. So I don't say too much about people I'm still in touch with who are still active Scientologists. Yes, I am. I will say yes. I have had communication with people who are still active. Uh, generally, when they come around to talking to me or reaching out to me, they are on the fence. They're having doubts. They are—they um, they hate the regging or you know the, the, the demand for money from the church. Um, they uh, are are starting to see through or have already seen through the the, the smoke and mirrors in a lot of ways. Um, so that's that's kind of where that when they when they come to me they have questions usually about Miscavige, more so than Hubbard. They usually have questions or concerns about how the church is being run or about disconnection or something like that or they've had something happen to them personally that has rattled their their faith or belief in some fashion. So um, so that's that's what I can say about that. Um, Alright, see what else we got here? That's an interesting question. I'm not quite sure. Douglas asks, how might exteriorization differ from projection of one's senses into other objects, animate or inanimate? I um I would say those are functionally the same thing. Um exteriorization is uh, okay. In Scientology, the idea is that, um... <laughs> that's Jay. Jay. hey, thanks, Jay, yeah. for seeing you, Volcano and Survivors. Thank you. <laughs>
1: um,
0: okay. With exteriorization in Scientology, the idea is that a Phaeton or a spiritual entity has no actual location in the physical universe except by consideration. In other words, um... A Phaeton has mass, no wavelength, no no location in space or time. So it simply thinks, oh, I'm going to be here right now, and then boom, it's there. Um, We've lost that ability because we have lost our awareness of our spiritual selves, and Scientology is supposed to rehabilitate that. So... When you exteriorize, you're really just sort of changing your mind about where you want to look at things or where you want to view things or how you you know what location you want to uh, be aware of the physical universe. That's pretty much all exteriorization is. It's not that you're physically in your head as a spiritual entity and then you um, somehow magically you know, appear in the corner of the room or something. It's a, it's a change of your mind and, and, and sort of a change of, you know, a consideration that is what exteriorization actually is. And we are so sure in our current degraded, you know, very physically oriented way of thinking, uh, are so sure that we are a body and are not a spiritual entity That we just don't even try. We don't even think about where we are or how we're looking at things. We're just in our body. And so the general location of a spiritual entity is in the head, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, in fact, one of the the first and one of the most uh, used exteriorization commands in Scientology at the beginning in the early 50s was be three feet back of your head just be three feet back of your head, right? And you just kind of go boink and you pop three feet back of your head and suddenly you're looking at everything and you're seeing the back of your head and you're like, oh, hey, look at this. I'm somewhere else now. And that, you know, or another command that was given was sort of a reverse psychology deal was um, try not to be three feet back of your head, right? That was supposed to be this like, you know, game-changing command uh, to, you know, to exteriorize people. So, so that's kind of how it works in Scientology. I know it sounds kind of crazy because it is, but that's um, that's what, so that's how the, the subject is approached in Scientology. Uh, okay, let's see here. Um. <laughs> uh, Sandra Poole, good evening from North Cyprus. How do you stop your cat from knocking everything over?
1: Well, it's hard. But, I mean, mostly you got to keep things, like, out of his way, you know, like, out of his reach and everything like that. And he's not as bad about it as he used to be when he was younger. Like, he was a lot more hyper and wanting to attack everything and jump on everything when he was younger. But now it's just, you got to, like, we do, like, in the um, kitchen, we have cabinet baby locks (laughs) to keep him out of there so he's not knocking things around and getting fur everywhere and... And stuff like that, so it's just managing the space correctly. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Those uh, those those child locks are very useful. Seven likes to get into our cabinets and just hang out there. He hides in the cabinets, mm-hmm. and that gets cat fur all over all our dishes and everything. So I'm not really too down with that. So we had to we had to put child locks on the cabinets.
1: Yeah, I've had to do it on the refrigerator before. He hasn't gotten into a refrigerator in a while. But there were a couple places I lived where he was able to get in there, so I had to put a baby lock on the refrigerator door. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
0: Seven is, uh, man, he's he's persistent. Yes. If he wants something, <laughs>
1: he's going to get it. <laughs> yeah,
0: he is. Yeah, so our cat is hardcore. Yeah, he is. Mm. He is hardcore. All right. Um. All right, so a random Canadian asks, uh, what was 9-11 like in Scientology? Um, I've actually answered this question before on the on the Q and A show, so I'll just be brief here and say that it was um, kind of earth it was earth shaking. It was definitely a major event within the world of Scientology and the Sea Org. David Miscavige issued a, a, a bulletin called Wake Up Call that day, uh, where he said, "I think it came." I think we all got it the next day, and it's basically said. Hey, you know, this just happened. This is not, you know, we're not screwing around here. We need to save the planet. We need to save the planet now before the planet destroys itself. And this is a demonstration of how bad off the world is going. And it's going to hell in a handbasket. So we better get busy. And we better get busy right now. So he used it as an impetus to drive Scientologists to get more money or more time or dedication to Scientology. That was how we all experienced 9 11. Uh, Robert Roberts asks, is this your new studio? Yes, we talked at the very beginning of the video. I was saying this is our new studio space and I'm setting it up here still. This is still a work in progress. Um, But that's, yes, that is what this this room is. All right. Um, So I'm leaving off. Oh, yeah, here we go. Caf T. uh, I've noticed that you started leaving off the at large. Are you planning to drop it? I like the epithet "critical thinker at large." I've been waffling on it. Uh, that's a good observation, Kath. Um, you got me on that one because I have alternated on it. I've been I've been wondering whether critical thinker at large or just critical thinker. I was sort of moving in that direction of just just making it critical thinker. Um, you guys tell me what you think. I don't know. I'm actually, now that now that it's come up as a point, um, you know, let me know in your comments here what you guys think about that. Uh, should it be critical thinker or should it be critical thinker at large? I, I'm i down for either one. I was just trying to um, maybe make it a little bit, I don't know what I was thinking exactly. How do I describe it? It's just, a, um, I was trying to make it more down to earth, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe, you know, I don't know. Since I'm kind of, you know, based here in Colorado and Denver now, and, and I'm not really, you know, going all over the world or anything, although I do travel a lot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, yeah, maybe I'll, I mean, I, I'm, I'm down with either one, actually. I, I, I did the at-large because, oh, it, actually, let me just tell you guys real fast, just since you might find it interesting. I was, at first, I was the Minnesota critical thinker. That's why, my, that's why my blog is mncriticalthinking.com, because it was the Minnesota critical thinker. And then I left Minnesota. So I moved to Denver, and I was like, well, I'll be the critical thinker at large. And then I, you know, started waffling on that. But maybe I shouldn't. Uh, oh, at large. I'm used to at large. Okay. Well, I'm critical thinker at large. All right. <laughs>
1: um,
0: Let's see here, Sir Percival. What if President Trump turns out to be right about Hillary being a crook? Whoever said he was wrong? <laughs> 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 I never said he was wrong about that. Uh, you know, and and, and, and look, make him I all yeah, I mean Hillary. <laughs> you know, look, I I voted for Hillary in the last election, okay, because I saw. That Trump was a narcissistic personality, and I don't, I know for absolute fact what that means. I know that you can predict narcissistic behavior, and narcissists are not people you should ever, 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 ever trust. So I saw that so strongly in him that I just went, ugh, you know, it's not his policies particularly, uh, or his. You know, kind of horrible attitude about about women and minorities and stuff. I mean, that all is part and parcel of that. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that whole package and I went, no, I don't want that in the highest office of the land. Um, oh, hey, thanks, Cynthia. Thank you very much for that. You're awesome. So, Cynthia is so awesome. Um, so I said, mm, nah, you know. Now, I know that this is a big deal for a lot of my viewers that, they, that are Trump supporters, that when I rag on Trump, they have a, you know, they kind of have a cow about it. It's okay. I'm not, you know, I, I it's, it's just my opinion, okay? But I base my opinion off of this observations and off of my knowledge of cults and cult leaders. And I know more than your average person about that sort of thing because I've been working on it for the last five years. It's not because I, feel arrogant about it. I just feel knowledgeable about it. I feel like I know what I'm talking about in this in this area. So I looked at Hillary and I see all kinds of problems with Hillary. I don't like the Clintons. I never really have. They're not honest people. They, they have things going on. They're, they're, they've got the Clinton machine. I, I really didn't like the way things went down in the DNC with Hillary and Bernie and that, the underhandedness of all of that. I commented about all of this during the election process. So um, so I'm not being inconsistent here in, in saying these things, right? Um, so I'm, you know, I, I'm okay with acknowledging that when Trump says something true or correct or right, I go, hey, you got that one right. I still don't want him in the Oval Office. That's my view about that, you know? Uh, okay, so... Um, what, in your opinion, Isabel Morin asks, what, in your opinion, is Hubbard's greatest lie? Hey, Isabel, glad you could make it on the show here this week. Um, greatest lie. Man, that's a good question. Um, I mean, he's told so many, you know. Um, I think I think Hubbard's greatest lie was was the idea that he had healed himself through the techniques of Dianetics during World War II or after following World War II. Because that lie was the lie on which was built the entire Scientology empire. Uh, and the entire movement all comes down to that one thing, that, that one claim that he made, that he was able to figure out through study of psychology and endocrinology and hormones and and the body and the mind, he was able to figure out something that no one else in all of history had ever been able to figure out, which is how the mind works. So that, and the fact that the mind works in such a way that most of our illnesses and diseases and problems in life are psychosomatic in nature. And because he said that, and and he said it with authority, and he wrote a whole book, Dianetics, which he claimed was based on him having cured his own blindness and lameness. He said he was with a cane, he couldn't walk, he was bedridden, he was blind, his family abandoned him. I mean, he made all kinds of insanely wrong, false claims. And he based all of Dianetics on that. And, they, and he was given a lot of credibility as a result. And... Um, and when it came out through our, you know, seeing the war records and stuff, that that was all not true. Well, Tommy Davis himself acknowledged if, if that didn't happen, then Dianetics is a lie and the whole thing is a lie. And I think that I, I believe that statement is what got Tommy Davis busted. And that's what ended up with Tommy Davis, the public spokesman of Scientology until 2011, I think that is what um, drove him finally out of the sea Org. was saying was that, that. And I think maybe Tommy Davis even had a personal realization about it. I don't know, you know, but, um, but regardless of whether Tommy Davis believes or doesn't believe in Dianetics, that I think was the most destructive lie ever told and had the most consequences. Okay. Uh, let's see here. I'm just going down the list, by the way, I'm not filtering these at all. Um, DME asks, you have so many fantastic transferable skills for work, but was it hard to put a CV or resume together once you'd left and needed to find work in a non-Scientology setting? Hi from Oxford, UK. Wow. Hey, Oxford. Awesome, man. Uh, Okay, DME. Um, Yes, it was difficult. At first, I didn't realize when I was putting Scientology all over my resume because that was the only real work experience I'd had for the last 20 years, right, 25 years. Um, I didn't realize how toxic Scientology was when I first came out of Scientology. And so I had Scientology all over my resume, and no one, no one was calling me back. And this was like for a straight month. My job was to get a job, and it wasn't working out. And then finally I got a job with a Scientologist in Minnesota, and that's how I ended up getting out to Minnesota. So difficult. And I ended up um, putting my LinkedIn page together and removing all the Scientology references. After I found out how toxic Scientology was, I took I took all of that out. So, so that's how that worked. Uh, okay. Um, Billy Bob. Billy Bob. Does the hypocrisy or the unscrupulous means of some of the people supporting positions or policies put you off the positions or policies? Um, That's a good question. And generally speaking, no, it doesn't. Um, Because I separate personalities from positions. And uh, a lot of people don't. This is what ad hominem is all about, is you, you know, well, Joe Schmoe, supported this, and Joe Schmoe is a bad man who is, you know, rapey or, uh, you know, abusive or he's some, there's something bad about him, and so therefore, the positions that he supports were bad. And I go, no, let's separate these two things out. There's a position, and that position might have pros and cons all by itself, let's look at those, and that would be a very different thing from looking at people who have for positions. I think the first time that I um, that I can remember uh, on something important about this would be, have been Al Gore and climate change. I'm I, I'm no you know huge fan of Al Gore. He, you know he's 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 uh, I, I, I I admire his dedication to the cause of of promoting uh, solutions for climate change. But I don't know a whole lot about the guy personally. And if somebody wants to, you know, point out how, what a, how he's profiting from it or there's something bad about him, I go, okay, well, guess what? Climate change is still a thing whether Al Gore does or doesn't promote it. So, you know, that would be an example of, of separating those things out we're getting through a lot of questions this is this is good (laughs) i like her helping me with this just because she's she's going through the comments and copying out your questions so i don't miss any uh because i asked her to help me this week with this because i i you know when when i myself am doing this i have to answer questions but then pay attention to all the comments Mm -hmm. and this time i'm just kind of uh going down the list of questions here um Oh, thanks, Denise, about this comment about my perception on is solid regarding narcissistic people's behavior. Yeah, I thank you. I appreciate that. Um, okay, Lita Halbert asks, the Sea Org doesn't legally exist, I understand. No, it does not. Um, Lita, you are correct. The Sea Org is not a legal entity. It's not a corporation or an incorporated body of any kind. It's a membership group. It's a <laughs> You're in the Sea Org because you say you're in the Sea Org. Because you, you signed this contract for a billion years, which is completely symbolic. It has no legal standing whatsoever. It's just literally, you could, you could write it on a napkin and it would have as much standing, you know. Um, the Sea Org is just a collective group of people who, uh, who call themselves Sea Org members. And that is one of the ways that Miscavige gets away with being the the captain of the Sea Org and running Scientology through the Sea Org, because you can't drag the Sea Org into court, you can't sue the Sea Org, you can't go after the Sea Org, you can't you can't uh, indict the Sea Org for crimes. It doesn't exist as a corporate or entity or body. So that is that itself provides um, a certain amount of. Of, of cloaking and, um, and barriers and, and problems when you're trying to take on Scientology because its corporate structure is very different from the way it actually is managed and run. And that's one of the ways Miscavige gets away with as much as he does. Uh, all right. Douglas Merrick says, does Scientology technology utilize lists of words or phrases for the user to scan in order to locate problem areas past or present? Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, yes, it does. Um, huh. Well, I mean, yeah, the answer to your question, Douglas, is yes, it does. It's just an interesting question for somebody. I mean, are you a Scientologist or a former Scientologist that you would ask? That that's. It's just such, a, it's such an interesting question. Um, Scientology has uh, a few places there are there are lists of questions that are asked using an e-meter in order to locate areas of travail or or problems there are um lists of words that are assessed using an e-meter to see what words react and for those words that react you can then plug those words into pre-written commands um you know like you might be sick and so an assessment on an e-meter might be done of your head, your neck, your throat, your chest, your, your liver, your kidneys, your lungs, your arms, your legs, whatever, different parts of your body. And if one of those parts reacts on an e-meter with the needle on the e-meter responding, then you might take that body part and plug it into a command like, from where could you communicate to a blank and then you would ask that question over and over and over again in order to provide some kind of spiritual remedy or relief to that affected body part. So let's say and it might be a different body part than you would think. Um, you know Hubbard talked about the fact that a guy could have a broken leg or a lame leg that he clearly you know he, he hobbles in on a, on a crutch on crutches. And you think as the auditor, well, we're gonna address the leg. The God doesn't care about his leg, he cares about his headaches. So, and you don't see his headaches, of course. So if you were to do an assessment on an e-meter, you might find that the biggest reading thing is is his head. And so you end up running a command on the guy, uh, from where can you communicate to your head? And then he got and then he has to come up with all kinds of oddball question answers, because that's kind of a weird question. But that's how Scientology works. And, um, and that's, that's one way you might utilize a list of words or phrases to, you know, to locate areas of, of, of problems. Uh, okay. Fred Flogiston asks, Have you ever heard from Julia Shaw's experiments to make people believe to have done acts? She makes people remember, he says in quotes, and then they become convinced. This would explain some aspects of auditing. Yeah, it looks, Fred, like you're talking about false memory syndrome, uh, which can be induced through many, many different ways. I've never heard of Julia Shaw, but there's, you know, through leading questions, you can induce memories in people pretty easily. Um, our memories mm-hmm. don't work the way we think they do. They don't work according to the way Hubbard says they do. And um, and false memories are an issue, and this is something I actually give quite a bit of thought to because I've um, I've looked at my own memories of things that have happened to me, and I've thought, you know, I, I've I've wanted and looked for corroborating evidence uh, when I find, you know, or or uh, look for things that are like past incidents or accusations of abuse. Um, you want this is why you want to have corroborating evidence. Um, and this gets really controversial because mm-hmm. you want to believe, for example, you want to believe women who come forward with accusations, but you have to temper that with the fact that that, that false memories are a thing. And um, and it's not, you know, it's a tricky thing. It's very individual. You really have to take it on a case-by-case-by-case basis. This is why investigations are so important in any instances where there's accusations. Um and good, solid investigations, you know, to find corroborating evidence, that kind of thing. So, um, so it's not to say that everybody's memories are all false. That's that's obviously not true. It's just it can get tricky. It's 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 unreliable. That would probably be the best word for um, for memories is they can be unreliable, and that can be problematic for us because we put a lot of stock in our memories and, and in other people's testimonies based on their memories of things. So, um, but science shows us that our memories are are not what we like to think they are. You know, and that's really the most accurate thing I can say about that. Uh, Okay, Dan Treberic asks, Chris, do you know anything about what's happening with Paul Haggis and the rape accusations? I don't, I don't have any inside information on that. Um, Paul Haggis was accused of sexual misconduct by people who worked with him in the past. And since those accusations have come forward, I haven't been keeping up with or, or there hasn't been a whole lot of media about it. And I, I assume he's just kind of dealing with that through legal channels and through investigation. And, and uh, I hope I ho- you know, hope that things work out for him on that. Um, and I hope that he is not guilty of, of any wrongdoing. I, I can't say one way or the other anything about his guilt or innocence right now, uh, except I maintain an open mind and I am biased towards believing him but um, I really, in the end, objectively speaking, I couldn't say one way or the other whether he's guilty or innocent, and I'm maintaining a neutral point of view about it until more information comes out. Uh, Andy von Bussel, or Bousset, is there a Hubbard-approved script to auditing, or is it free flow and depending on the answers, what guidelines do auditors have to the questions? That is a really big question, Andy, and I don't have all the time to answer it fully, but I will say that um, Scientology auditing, it does follow a rote pattern for the most part. There is different kinds of auditing, so there are different kinds of patterns to auditing, Um, and the questions often are pretty rigidly structured, but there are kinds of auditing that happens, that is very free flow or very kind of loosey-goosey as to what's going to happen. But it's a very structured thing. Scientology auditing, Dianetics auditing is not a loosey-goosey, play it, you know, freewheeling sort of thing. Um, it's, um, it is very structured. And it's gotten, and it was first in the 1950s, it was very loosey-goosey. It was very freewheeling. Hubbard said, here are the principles. You follow them. Ask whatever questions you need to but that really wasn't working out so good. People needed more formal structure and more more of a, a simple approach to what he what he was trying to get them to do. And so it became more and more structured over the years. Uh, okay, Kath T. When Hubbard died, DM said he died in AD 36. Was that something that Scientologists did for a while, remember the years, based on something like, yes, beginning of Scientology, yes, Kathy. Um, uh AD is after Dianetics, and Hubbard jokingly referred to the years following the publication of Dianetics as AD oh my God. 10 for 1960, for example, because it was published in 1950, and that became a thing in Scientology, and it's always sort of humorously referred to, you know, nudge nudge, wink wink, know what I mean? Know what I mean, right? <laughs> but um, but it's just a, but that is a thing in Scientology. Hubbard would do that often in his lectures. Uh, where are we at here? Oh, wow, we've been yeah. here for an hour. Okay, we're going to have to wrap up soon. So many questions, guys. This is great. Uh, I've been trying to do a super chat, but it isn't letting me... Who gets the other percentage? Oh, on the super chats, I get most of the money. Um, YouTube gets a small percentage of the super chat money, but I get I get most of it. Um, J, Jules K. Good morning. Oh, Melissa, what are your <laughs> thoughts? What are your thoughts on all the Scientology stuff in Chris's experience?
1: Oh wow! Um, I think Scientology itself is pretty wild, you know. It's I know that before I met Chris, I didn't know much except for like what I saw on South Park and what I knew from Tom Cruise being a goofball. But then I learned all this stuff from Chris, and it's just it's amazing. I I just it's crazy. I don't know how I don't know how he did it for twenty seven years and uh, um, yeah, and his experience personally. I just a lot of times I feel a lot of different things about it. I feel kind of angry that he had to go through all that and and sad and and all the things he had to miss out on in life and and all that. But, you know, he's making up for it now, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about it quite a bit. Um, (laughs) She read my book, Mm -hmm. you know, when we first started dating and stuff. And, um, uh, oh, hey, thanks, Fred. Thanks for that super chat. And uh, Melissa has been amazing as far as somebody who just listens to what I have to say sometimes or understands my difficulties. Sometimes I have difficulties with things. Um, And she's been amazing as far as just being a, a, a willing and ready ear to hear whatever I have to say. And deal with some of the problems or issues or assimilation things I've had. I mean, you know, I've I've talked in the past about how Scientology, coming out of Scientology or really any cult experience is like there's layers of onion skin Mm -hmm. around your head, you know, or around yourself or something. There's all these layers of nonsense that you have to peel away like the layers of an onion. And you get one layer off and it exposes a whole nother layer and then you've got a whole nother pile of crap to deal with and she has she has been great because she understands that concept and um, and having you know gone through some of your own experiences mm-hmm. um, with mental health issues and, and stuff like that it's given me a real insight into some of what's gone on with me what's going on with people in and out of Scientology, or in and out of destructive cults, and uh, you know some of the mental processes that you have to kind of go through, and and understanding some of those things in a different context than what Scientology offers, which has been the worldview I've had most of my life. So, um, so I, you know, so I, it's been, it's been amazing uh, knowing her, and and uh, and she's been really great at that. So, yeah. <laughs> uh okay so we're gonna have to wrap up shortly thank you oh, okay rifle bird thank you thank you very much for your super chat contribution there um okay we've got more questions here but we're gonna have to wrap up because we've been we've been at it for an hour and you guys have been awesome i think i think this has been the most productive
1: yeah
0: live stream we've done ever um uh, as terms of just raw number of questions answered which is good i wanted to experiment with this and see if she could help me with that and she, and this was great. So, so guys, thank you very much for coming around and being part of this. Um, and I will get this posted as usual, uh, later today. Um, and, uh, I, like I said, thanks for coming around and we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up now. I will be, um, setting up the rest of my studio here this week, um, and getting, um, You know, hopefully we've been moving into this new apartment and getting everything set up. I've been spending a lot of time this last week just getting things set up. It's always a a thing moving, Mm. um, you know, from one place to another. Even we just moved from one apartment to (laughs) to another one in the same complex. And it was still, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, such a – I just hate moving. So uh, anyway, hopefully uh, after – you know this place will settle into some place where we really can be permanently mm-hmm, for a while mm-hmm. um, but for but we're here for at least a year so this so this is good and um, and and this is one thousand percent due to the support from you guys that we can even do this big 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 huge thank you to all of you um, consider you know supporting through patreon uh, or through PayPal or whatever if you only want to do a one-off Uh, On my channel here, the links will be posted in the description section below later today, uh, as they are with every single video I post. Okay, guys, thanks Thanks for your help.
1: Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, (laughs) talk at you later.